So Shawande, did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you got it right. I'm like a hey, name expert. I'm a name expert. Yep. Thanks for thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, so CEO of Raceman Telepictures LLC, Washington D.C. Uh, DMV filmmaker like myself. Um, tell me a little bit more about who you are, what you do, what you've been up to. Oh, um, I'm a native Washingtonian, actually, and uh, and you know I, I I love my hometown. So uh, all of my uh, all of my work has been you know uh, with a DC centric vibe to it, with a theme to it. So uh, I'm a I'm a also a proud Howard University alum, you know, okay. go Kamala. <laughs> um, you know, I'm glad that uh, that uh, HBCUs are, are getting their moment in the sun, you know, uh, in the media. Uh, I majored in broadcast production, minored in drama, and I'm a, a filmmaker and independent filmmaker and, and an actor. So, fantastic. Um, you know, this pandemic is was uh, when it hit was really, really scary because like every way that I knew how to make a living just came to a stop. Now, yeah. the, on the bright side of the pandemic, you know, it allowed me time to just reflect, um, I hone my craft, you know, as both a filmmaker and, and a writer and an actor by, you know, taking online classes, et cetera. But, um, but yeah, it was scary there for a moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, me and my wife, we were concerned a little bit. We just brought home a kid, and we were a bit concerned. But um, I think, you know, I was blessed, and, and me and the wife got lucky. She was able to Zoom teach. I was able to do a lot of uh, live streaming, virtual events, you know, corporate industrial things. And then, uh, like we were discussing offline a little bit, you know, I started this podcast, and uh, you had asked me, what inspired local artists? And I guess I started, I started local, you know, like first within like on my phone, like people I could text directly on my phone. Those, you know, all those folks that we were working. I think my last gig, my last acting gig was March 10th. And I think my last crew gig was March 12th. They, so March, the acting gig, everybody was like social distancing, hand sanity, masks, um, as you know, COVID concerns were rising. But March 12th, everybody was doing the same, you know, gloves, masks, hand sanding all over the place. And I, but they decided to cancel the show. They just uh, basically decided to cancel the show right away, um, halfway through setup. So halfway through our set, turned into a strike, tore it down, packed it up. Oh, wow. And then that, and that was my last on set gig until I've finally, I was back. I've, I've been back on set last week on an on a industrial acting gig. Um, okay. Military industrial. Uh, you okay. Know, one of those training videos for the military, um, playing uh, Air Force, you know, senior Air Force command uh, ranked person. But um, yeah, you know, starting off, I just you know, kind of just started off local with people that were like direct right there in my phone, and then kind of reached mm -hmm. out and you know, like stuck with Maryland, Virginia, D.C., and maybe, you know, ran into some people that I worked with on, on LinkedIn and Facebook. And then it kind of spread out. I, I just started reaching out to all freelancers, gig workers, film, TV, audio, video, music, you know, uh, art, um, that sort of thing, just really branching out. And, uh, but it, it's, it's always great to get, you know, a fellow DMV, you know, filmmaker, resident, you know, one of the fellow film, 
DMV filmmakers. On yeah, back 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 in the back in the day, like from '94 to to 2000, um, I used to run the uh, the AIVF, which is which was headquartered in New York, the uh, Association of Independent Video and Filmmakers. Um, I ran the DC Salon, and so um, so so we're kindred spirits in that sense because. Um, in that short period of time, like the the New York sent me a list of all of the local, um, well, actually more than the local. They sent me the filmmakers that were like in the state of Maryland and in the state of Virginia as well as D.C. And it was all of like two hundred, maybe two hundred sixteen, two hundred twenty people that they had listed. And within the first couple of years of running that salon, we had 200, over 200 people in DC proper. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just exploded and, and it spoke to a need for um, filmmakers here locally to just, you know, have a vehicle to, 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 to meet and to create and to collaborate. And, yeah. um, and that was one thing I miss about it because I, you know, I gave up. Uh, running it when I became a parent mm-hmm. back in 2000. Um, mm-hmm. And not only a parent, but a parent of a child with special needs. So that, you know, took priority. Of course. And, yeah. um, and, and, and I've been, but, you know, in between like the free moments that I had, you know, um, still creating, still working, working on other people's projects, you know, pursuing the acting. So, well, now I think with the rise of Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, before mm-hmm. it was MySpace and then Facebook and now you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all these other social, all these websites, these crewing up, networking, collaborating websites now, you know, Production Hub, Backstage, Staff Me Up. I mean, there's a million different sites out there now. Now there's apps and, uh, you know, it would have been, you know, been nice to know that that site existed when I right when I graduated college, I graduated 04. So okay. for me, I graduated in 04 with a bachelor's in film and TV. And, but oh, okay. I got lucky and went right to discovery channel in silver spring. So that was kind of a, yep. a you know, a blessing there in, in a way, because it was just kind of a TV job right out of college. And I saw a lot of fellow Towson alumni end up there. A lot of Howard alumni, I think, ended up there and uh and that was kind of where at that point it was i'm going to experiment with some passion projects some side projects some independent stuff um you know that's that's when google and youtube and facebook really started to kick off and and craigslist and now there's just you know not only are there sites there's like you know mobile app mobile app yeah, and at the risk of sounding like an old man, when I graduated from college, none of that existed. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, but you, you you may have um, you, you may have even run into one of my um, I don't know. She worked at Discovery. That might have been Nat Geo. So never mind. But um, you know, uh, one of my assistant producers. Um, you know, she was. Uh, she she's she's younger and she graduated uh, a little bit before you, but not 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 much before you, and was just like, you know, invaluable in in in, in my first project, and then 
you know, she worked with me, you know, years later on, on my, um, on, on the new N word. So, what, so you yeah, that turned into a web series. So. so you, so you, you, you were talking a little bit about that offline, the new N word. Yeah. It, it's, it, it was a comedy that, that, that address, um, workplace racism. And, um, and it starred Eric Todd Dellums, who, um, who's a phenomenal actor. He's the son of the late Congressman Ron Dellums. And um, he was, um, he was in, um, he played, he played the drug Lord Luther Mahoney in Homicide Life on the Street. Okay. So that's, um, you know, that was a, a Baltimore TV series before that predates The Wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of The Wire, he was also in The Wire in a smaller role as the, um, as the, um, the medical examiner. In, in that, but um, he's also in the in the TV series Homeland, where he played this like creepy doctor. <laughs> um, I mean, it was yeah. He and 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 Eric is a very memorable uh, figure because for one, he's he's very tall, um, and he's like I said, he's immensely talented. And, uh, and I was very fortunate because I had been trying to get him in a project of mine for a while and, and our schedules just, you know, didn't link up. So when I got him for the new N-word, this is, and I shot that film 10 years ago now, um, you know, he, he delivered just like I knew he would. So, you know, I'm looking to work with him on other projects as well. So tell me a little bit more about that. What's, what's the idea behind what is the new n-word or what is the oh I, well and, and so what's I, the film i, I don't want to i don't want to uh to ruin it for people who may want to see it you can you can see it on youtube because okay. like i said it's a it's a series uh on youtube but um uh, it was based on a real story that happened it's, it's a bit embellished but on a real story that happened to uh, a childhood friend of mine uh, who worked at this? At, who worked at? Uh, who worked at Pepco? Mm-hmm. And um, one of his coworkers, you know, had this incident where it just, you know, kind of spun out of control and and got ah, there it is, uh, spun out of control and um, and and comedy ensues as a result of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so. Um, so I, you know, put my own personal spin on it. Also, Joe Hansard, who is uh, another great uh, local actor, um, uh, who who was a member of AIVF. That's how we met. Um, you know, I, I tapped it, tapped him. He was also in the wires. So, yeah, this is some great talent. And, and I, um, I've done a number. To, of- not not to mention not to mention um, the incomparable uh, Fred Struther. Yeah, I've I've actually worked with Joe Hansard on. Uh, oh, okay, all couple, right, couple of projects. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. He's been he's been doing he's he's been doing this work for a while. You said Struther. Yep, Fred Struther. Fred Struther. Uh, he was um, um, he's probably best known for uh, the 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 original movie Twelve Monkeys with uh, okay. Brad Pitt. Okay, and he played. Um, he played a, 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 a supporting role in that, but it was very memorable. He was one of the 
uh, uh, members of the uh, one of the people institutionalized in the insane asylum mm-hmm. where um, they put Brad Pitt. Okay. Yeah. I recognize him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Fred, Fred was also in the wire. You know, he played the, um, he played the wheelchair bound um, politician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a very versatile actor. Um, and I got him just before he uh, uh, went to New York and, you know, performed on Broadway. So that took him out of D.C. for a while. But he's another native Washingtonian. He, maybe another potential interview for you. <laughs> I mean, okay. Because uh, uh, both um, um, Fred and, and um, Eric are still here in the area. And, uh, and of course, you know, Rain Pryor co-starred in the film. She's the daughter of the legendary Richard Pryor. Okay. So yeah, we had a, a, a really, really, really good cast and, and the timing was perfect. And the star of the film, um, James J.J. Johnson, um, who you see in a lot of theater productions here around the area. So we had a, 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 a great pool of talent. And that's one thing that, you know, um, it's an advantage of being from a maker's perspective, being an advantage uh, in this city, which is a primarily theater town. You know, you mm-hmm. have Arena Stage and Woolly Mammoth and The Source. Um, you, so you have all of these people who are committed to the character, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So you have a rich source of talent, a huge talent pool here. Um, you know, uh, 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 Deirdre Johnson, who's like a, a, a Helen... Helen Hayes Award staple here in this in this city, who was also in the production, um, and just does a lot of theater work and is now directing. Um, you know, this is it's the perfect perfect atmosphere to really grow the uh, the 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 entertainment industry, the film and TV entertainment industry here. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of talent here. That's, that's eager and hungry to, you know, experiment and delve into, you know, you know, unique projects and we get a lot of outside sources. I think the, the biggest problem I have with uh, a lot of uh, production alliances or a lot of film alliances, film and TV alliances, whatever, you know, whatever they are is that, I've gone to a lot of these meet and greets and these events that these, that these uh, alliances, if you will, you know, put together and really they're, they're not catering to big productions by Maryland or Virginia or DC. What they're, what they're catering to is, you know, big outside studios coming here and visiting, but one production's here for a month and then they're gone. And now what? Right. But if you're if you're building, you know, a micro Hollywood or, you know, a micro New York here in Virginia, here in D.C., here in Maryland, West Virginia, Delaware, and you're focusing on, okay, we are self-sustained. We don't have outside productions. Uh, A&E, AMC or A&E comes to Richmond and does a period piece for two seasons and then that's it. And it's like, oh, we had... You know, we had Legends and Lies. We had the American West. And, and I'm like, yeah, that was five years ago. What's right? That was 10 years ago. What are we shooting now? Oh, we had that documentary. We had that docudrama that they shot. You know, it was a miniseries. And it was, that was like a month. 
three years ago. What's what is what is the steady work? And for a while, I don't know if you ever worked on those ID crime shows. I've been in, you know. Uh, Yeah, I was I was in Who the Bleep Did I Marry? (laughs) Right. I mean, I I was probably still haunts me to this day. I'm just joking. (laughs) Hey, listen, I I played a detective in maybe 60, 70 different episodes of, you know, a whole handful of those ID shows. And it was great. And but then guess what? You know, Sirens left because Discovery left. Storyhouse, I think, is still in the area. And there's another production company, Wide Net Productions, that's still in the area. But there's only so many shows that one production company is doing. But since, right. dis- but since Discovery left, that means ID left. And since ID left, all these post houses, all these production houses and post houses left as well. Yep. You know? And for whatever reason, I, I, I mean, it's 2020. I don't see why you can't work remotely. You can't you know, ship tapes or ship drives, or you can't use Google drives or these, you know, cloud drives um, that, but it just seems like half the production houses and post-production houses left because Discovery left. But when I, when, when I go to, the, when, when I go to these, a lot of these alliances, these film alliances, whatever they may be, these production alliances, I'm like, what are we doing to be a production environment? Yeah. Not, um- well, no, but, you know, yeah. this is this was um, this was a concern of mine in um, you know like back in the mid '90s when when I was uh, running uh, AIBF and uh, one thing that uh, I observed just from years of of the, the 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 DC Film Office you know having like you know periods of of success but no success, sustained success, uh, especially not like the, um, the the Maryland Film Office, quite frankly, because um, the Maryland Film Office had the same number of people as the DC Film Office. But the key difference between um, the Maryland film industry and DC film industry is that you had um, like successful, Hollywood uh, filmmakers that stayed in Maryland. That was the difference. And that was the major difference. And that was the driver to bring the industry here. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at like Barry Levinson, Mm -hmm. you look at John Waters, you know, um, you know, these filmmakers, they stayed. And so, and and they had the, you know, they had the, the, the power to bring the industry here. So you had shows like Homicide and The Wire, and then those shows had longevity. You know, they lasted for more than two seasons, mm-hmm. you know? Now with, um, with, with the problem with DC is that Hollywood only comes to DC to shoot the exteriors. Mm-hmm. Yep. The exteriors are not run by the city of Washington, DC. That's federal property. Right. So they once they shoot the exteriors, they'll go to Maryland and shoot the rest of the of, of the film. So right. we had that working against uh, against us, and also we didn't have any filmmakers who were DC natives that either you know had the incentive or the interest to stay. Now, um, one of the area filmmakers, George Pelicanos, you know, he was uh, a writer on the wire. Um, um, you know, he got a series at, at HBO, but 
that, you know, that didn't translate. There was one episode, I mean, there was one TV show that was based in Washington, D.C. back in 1990, 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And that was uh, A Man Called Hawk. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, Avery Brooks was the star. Avery Brooks played the role of Hawk in the very popular TV show, Spencer for Hire. Mm -hmm. um, so and they did a spinoff, but that was one show. And you cannot build an industry on one show because guess what? That show lasted one season. And that show lasted one season. And, and we're I, right back at zero, ground and, and, zero. So. And my dad, and, and so my dad was a DC cop uh, when I was growing up. But mm -hmm. he, you know, he got lucky enough to uh, be a part of uh, Special Operations Division, and they did uh, escorts for, and you know, blocking off streets for, you know, presidential uh, motorcades or, mm -hmm. uh, or, or 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 ambassador, you know, special visitor escorts, that sort of deal. But also the film sets, and that's that's a little bit, you know, that among some other things. But that was a big influence on me becoming a filmmaker because he would show me some pictures. He got pictures taken with the the guy that played Hawk. He was also on uh, Deep Space Nine. I forget the actor's name. I think you just mentioned his name. Uh, the guy Avery played Brooks. Avery Brooks, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he played. Uh, he was on Deep Space Nine. He was one of the captains. I think. Oh, right, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, I mean, he, he he was he was he was the sidekick on uh, Spencer. Spencer for hire. Spencer for hire, and then he got his own show. Right, but, but spin, it was a spinoff from that. Right, it was a spinoff from that, and yeah, a man called Hawk. That was the Hawk. name of it. Yeah, but like like you mentioned, and and my dad worked on that show, you know, blocking streets and got to wow. get get some pictures. You know, the actors are always doing photo ops with the local cops, and and my dad has a number, you know, like True Lies. My dad blocked streets off, and and uh, you know, did like the police involvement when it comes to productions like True Lies, uh, Man Called Hawk. You know, those sort of those sort of productions, and so that was an influence for me. But you're right. It's a, there's a, there's a whole show, based in D.C. lasts one season, um, maybe because it's too expensive to work in D.C. I mean, you, like I remember a year or two ago, you know, a lot of actor buddies of mine they're like, "Oh, we're in Wonder Woman," and I'm like, "You're not. You're you're probably not going to get credited. Wonder Woman's in town for a week, right. you know." And, and I'm not. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not shitting on your work. It's probably great pay. You'll. It's great work. It's you know uh, if, if you if you work hard enough, you might get lucky. You might you get that one role. You might get a line in Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, and that's and that's a dope opportunity. But let's look at the big picture. Like what is coming here and staying right. here? What's being made here from the ground up? And so it's not only an aspect of I got to jump on Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty. I, I was a PA on National Treasure two, and we shot for about two weeks at this at the Library of Congress. And then I think they did another week at the Smithsonian and they, then they did something in Virginia and that was it three weeks in the DMV. And then the rest, you know, two or three months in a studio or in a lot in LA or wherever they were shooting. And it's like, that's cool. Live free, die hard. Um, AKA die hard Four was shooting, I think a week or two in Baltimore, but they were shooting Baltimore for DC. Right. They were, they were in right. Baltimore streets and then I think they came to D.C. for a day, shot like some real quick exteriors, but they were in the Baltimore streets to be story-wise D.C. streets. Right. They were in Baltimore for about a week, and then they're out. And it's like, yeah. where's the wires? Where's the house of cards? Where's the, you know, and, and more of them. It just can't be like this, oh, but we have house of cards. And like, that's it? Like, I'm, I'm a workaholic. 
you know, I'm a pessimist and I'm a pessimist for a good reason. Like we need to work harder. We need to be more creative, more, more influential. Um, too many people leave. And like you said, we have the few folks, I mean, John Waters, his vision, everything that inspires him and everything that he makes is based in Baltimore. He's probably, he lives, he, I'm, I don't know where he lives, but uh, you know, he's, he, he does well enough to where he's comfortable here. He might do like some, you know, bizarre indie film like he's always done. His entire career has been bizarre, off the wall indie films inspired by bizarre, off the wall Baltimore life. And that's been his whole vision. But you have other filmmakers. I mean, Dave Chappelle left. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing going on here. And that right. is the frustrating part. Right. And so for like the last five years, and I wouldn't even say the last five years, to the best of my knowledge, I'd say from 2012 to 2018, we had all the crime shows being shot here, all of them. And then that was it. Yeah. yeah. And, now, and now nothing again. And even before quarantine, there was like, down, we were down to like one, maybe two production companies doing two to three shows each. You know, and it's just, there, 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 there are a couple of... Um... There are a couple of issues at hand. I can't speak to Baltimore uh, or, or the or the Maryland Film Commission, but I know with 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 DC, they're they're hamstrung by, um, you know, by a, a limited amount of available funds. But now with, you know, with all of the construction gentrification, you know, this influx of money, you know, there there should be a larger pot available. To, to grow it and also there's some some there's a new generation of filmmakers here that you know can make this make this viable yeah. um, but it's also the way that this area is is um, you know almost ignored by the industry other than shooting exteriors and using Baltimore streets to to mimic DC streets mm -hmm. um, but that, I mean, but, but that can change, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it's because when you look at the talent that has come out of, out of DC, um, it, 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 it rivals, you know, our neighbors up north in Baltimore. I mean, when you look at the actors, you look at um, um, uh, Taraji P. Henson, you know, mm -hmm. Abe Chappelle, um, um, Jeffrey Wright, <laughs> I mean, you, 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 the list goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, but they're not filmmakers, and that's the key difference. Yeah, and and so and we need someone at that level that's a filmmaker that can build the industry. Exactly, and and yeah. I, I, I did well. I disagree because I think if you have this collective of these just general artists. Mm -hmm. and a lot of because listen, I, I've seen like the you know, last last five years now. It, it's kind of like the new thing that if an actor's tied to the second season of a show or more, they're they're getting mm -hmm. producer credits now. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, Kate Mara is like the producer of her own show, a teacher that she's acting in, and she was always credited as a producer of it. And so, you know, Taraji P Henson talented i remember uh i first saw her on a person of interest blew me away and then i found out you know she's a local you know she's born and bred here in dc dave yeah. Chappelle, um tony braxton i think is maryland 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Lawrence, I think, is Maryland in. And yep. I yep. mean, it, but 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 see, Chappelle is a whole embodied creator, writer, producer, director, actor, comedian. You know, Taraji P. Henson, I think, has some producer credits. Now, if if everybody, you know, if all these folks were to get together and be like, okay, let's put together at least one or two things, you know, just the money, just the name, just use just just using ra- name recognition. Right. And and getting together and be like, okay, listen, you know, screenplay contest, uh film, you know, like a like a like uh let's take let's take a look at the AFI and do like another film festival and then let's start looking at these films. Let's start looking at these local filmmakers and just build upon that. But well actually DC has uh several in, in fact they may have a, a they 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 may have too many film festivals. Right. Um you know the the um the, the biggest festival by far is uh, Film Fest DC, and that's because you know it's uh, supported by the uh, the DC Office of uh, Motion Picture and Film, and has been since its inception. Um, but there are also uh, smaller film festivals. One one that I uh, co-founded with um, with Carol Perdue and and uh, Natasha Reddick, the the late Natasha Reddick, you know, may she rest in peace. Um, the DC Independent Film Festival. But there are, are even more um, film fe- festivals that have popped up since then. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's one. I think it's called the the Washington Independent Film Festival. There's one the DC Independent Film Festival. There's Film Fest DC. There was a, another film festival geared toward like Black and people of color films that I'm blanking on the name right now. So, um, uh, so, so that's, you know, that's in existence, but what we really need is another organization similar to AIBF and, and women in film um, and video do, they do a great job of, um, you know, promoting and supporting artists, but there needs to be that one mainstay organization that is attractive to to both filmmakers and actors uh, that can that can help kind of bring the community together. You know, right now they're just these you know different organizations that that kind of exist and they have you know their own um, like via their membership um, their own like you know little little click and group of, uh, of filmmakers, but but none that have like a, a breakout director or a breakout star as of as of yet. Yeah. So so the efforts that you know it's 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 been there for, for decades at this point. But um there just needs to be one hit show. There just needs to be like a a wire or a Lovecraft country. You and, know that, and that's what's that frustrating because there has been there has been right number yeah. of you know amazingly major hit shows there has been and and yeah. and I and and especially you know think, thinking Maryland I mean Homicide Wire the Corner was you know an award winning miniseries um, which was kind of like uh, the 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 prequel to uh, the Wire um, House of Cards yeah. You know, uh, yeah, House of Cards was by far the biggest, and and you know here in DC we had West Wing. Yeah, 
you know, but but we're talking about shows that are like 30, 20, 10 years ago at this point. But West Wing, I mean, was West Wing completely done in DC or was West it Wing? It was, I think that was done in, in, yeah, well, the, the exteriors, right? Yeah, the exteriors, right? Because I think all the, uh, you know, I think it was a studio in New York, right? Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's frustrating, I guess. <laughs> it's something, it's definitely, it's definitely something to look into and see what kind of potential there is to rework the whole, rework that whole thing. So, yeah, well. You know, moving on to, to more um, more important business. What what have you been up to? What what is uh, how have you been in, how how have you been impacted by the by the quarantine and the shelter in place and and how what have you been what have you been working on? Um, in the meantime? Well, the the most recent thing that project that I completed, um, I was a producer co producer on this documentary, The American Lows. It just got picked up by Amazon. Um, you know, I'm working on a couple of other projects like writing and and um, producing uh, a series and a feature film. You know, that's based on a novel by a local writer. So, you know, those things are keeping me busy. But the uh, the, the pandemic has really impacted like my, you know, because independent filmmakers always have like a a, a main gig. And my main gig, I was working as a uh, live shot producer at NBC News Channel. And the pandemic just wiped that out completely. So yeah. hopefully with this new administration, maybe, you know, they'll, you know, that'll be an opportunity, but, you know, I'm not complaining about it or whining about it. I'm just, you know, focusing that time I would have spent there on my career as an indie filmmaker and a writer and an actor. Well, yeah, you, you, you made mention of you know new administration, what I can say is that it's going to. I can foresee it being a great year, great mm -hmm. a, a great next year. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, with with that, but um, race race man telepictures. What tell tell me more about that and uh, what what you've guys what 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 uh, like as far as the title, you know, race man telepictures and. and uh, <laughs> And, 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 you know, what kind of projects have you done and, and, and that sort of thing? Um, well, the, the, the very first Race Man Telepictures production was uh, Talking Shop. And, um, and that was the first time that I, I got a chance to, to actually work. Well, it wasn't the first time. It was the first time I got a chance to cast uh, Fred Struther. And, uh, and, um, and uh, it, it consists of all local local talent um, that was based on a, a, a fictional uh, journalist who had just returned from Cuba and you know he goes he comes back to DC to find that much has changed okay and and um, and including his favorite barbershop that used to belong to this character dollar bill and now it's called Vera's. And so, um, so it's, it's, you know, it was, it's partially based on, you know, my trip to Cuba and what I experienced back is back in like 99 when we still had the embargo and everything. Mm. And, um, and the Elian Gonzalez was like headlining the news 
at that time because um, you know he had come over here to this country um, and his his mom died in the process and I mean and it was just like headline news for a variety of reasons yeah. you know it was just like a heart wrenching story um, so a little bit of that is 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 in the you know in the storyline as well so. Awesome. So that that that's what kicked off the that's what kicked off the the company. And like I said, right now, um, there you know, Race Man Telepictures is in development on um, a series. I can't go into it right now. Sure. But, uh, a, a series, and and uh, but I will say that it's it's a spinoff of uh, the new the new N word. Okay. Yeah. And and a feature film based on a novel by a, a local DC author. So, well, you know, delving into your delving into the future, uh, you know, with the, the spinoff to uh, the new N word to this uh, and and the next feature film. What's what's next on the agenda as well? If you if you can, you know, give us a little bit of a hint. You know, maybe not you know give away too much, but what's what's the next set of goals? Next set of next set of plans. What's next on the agenda? Say six months to a year from now. Uh, to to have to, to be in production. Yeah. On one or both of those projects. Have you been back on set yet? Not yet. No. Not yet. And okay. and just you know, and as an actor, I've, I have been um, um, going on auditions. Well, going on auditions like virtual auditions. Virtual auditions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean self 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 tape is the the reality now. Hey, know? listen, I mean self tape was reality way before. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, it's funny you mentioned that and I brought and I and I've mentioned this a number of times before on the show that I would pref I I usually preferred self tape. Mm. Um for a number of sneaky reasons, you know, I I'd like if if I got nothing else going on that day, of course I'm going to go into an audition. Mm -hmm. But I could I could bang out five different self tapes as opposed to going to physically driving, you know, being stuck right. in traffic, right. right? Go to an audition, right. drive home. But by doing five or seven or ten self tapes a day or every other day, let's just say five. That's five people. That's five times as many people that are seeing my face, hearing my voice, you know, looking at my mannerisms, getting a taste of who I am a little bit of a flair of what I can offer to this, that, and the other thing. And also it's, it's from, you know, for you and for you as well, I'm sure, because you're also a writer, producer, director, I'm sure you've done your fair share of editing and shooting yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Scripting, scheduling, shot listing, prepping, breaking down. The, I could knock out five self submits as an actor, upload those. I can edit those videos, right? And I can like actually make myself look a little bit better, you know, <laughs> cut out some flubs, right? And then send them like a perfect self-submit audition tape. Right. And then spend the next seven hours of that day, instead of being in traffic, working on my other side projects, my other passion projects, a, a screenplay or a, right. a shot list for some super indie thing. I'm always shooting some, you know, like ultra low budget production hacked, passion project uber you know uber independent uber low budget uh youtube web series or you know viral thing or some sort of 
like I'm started dabbling into like trying to pull off motion comics and I'm doing like a lot of voiceover work and experimenting with other voiceover actors and, and, and trying to like really explore the whole new media kind of arena. And so as an actor, you know, you, you want to get as much work as possible. And as like a crew person, you know, if you're an experienced camera op, you're an experienced editor, experienced AD, you're really trying to push that resume out. And so I could sit here just at my laptop and apply for a hundred different crew gigs, submit five self-submits for an audition, and then edit or write one of my own passion projects all in one day, as opposed to drive an hour out, wait in line at that audition, drive an hour home. Yeah. And there's a lot of these folks I'm just like, and, and then, and, and, and another thing that would drive me nuts as an actor is a lot of times I'll get to the audition and then they show me, okay, these are the possible shoot dates. I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I can't do these. I'm already booked on something else. And so it's like, why didn't you guys post that? Oh, well, we don't really have that information. You have it now. If you had it now, you didn't have it yesterday or the day before. You couldn't have put that in that email when you asked me to come out to this audition. And that's, that's frustrating. But if I'm doing, if I'm doing a bunch of self-submits, I'll sit here and do a self-submit and then come to find out, oh, the shoot dates are on a date I'm already booked or I'm out of town or I'm, I'm unavailable for whatever reason. Okay, I don't care. I never left my house. Now, are you a member of SAG after? I, I wish, but no. Well, I, the, the, the one benefit, well, there, there are many benefits of, of being a SAG after member. Um, now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fairly new SAG after member. Uh, I got my credit when I worked on an episode of Law and Order SVU. And uh, that was two, almost three years ago. Uh, yeah, two seasons ago. Yeah, it was for the 20th season. I think they're in the 22nd now. Um, those, those little irksome items, you know, are virtually eliminated. Yeah. When you're a, when you're a SAG after op uh, member. But I will caution, as I was cautioned, that you want to, you know, weigh, is it worth it? Because if you're continually working, um, then, you know, you may want to weigh, okay, should I jump into, should I, you know, pursue the next level or just stay here? Um, but the one big, uh, advantage of being a sag after member, the residuals, right. you know, so, yeah. so, I mean, but, but like I said, but if you're continuously working, 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 you know, you, you got to weigh it. Yeah, but but yeah, but but being a member, and especially now in this pandemic, um, the union makes sure that you're protected from you know from um, um, from productions that are not that are not um, participating in according to CDC guidelines, etc., and um, and uh, and also with um, like I said with you know, regarding the payment so that the actor is not exploited. Um, so, I, you know, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things about uh, being in the union. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's definitely, you know, one of my agendas to, you know, try to check that box, try to, try to accomplish that, you know, when I can. But, you know, the, the 
quarantine obviously you know put a wrench in that and there hasn't been much that yeah. i've been able to act on that was yeah. you know uh sag yeah. uh what is it a, a sag eligible project you know so mm -hmm. you know hopefully one hopefully soon once these floodgates open i'll i'll be back at it and you know if something falls in my lap i hope i get it yeah, so that, yeah. that's that sort of thing and it's just working through it i mean again i'm sure you, you get it when it came to this quarantine there was just i was able to just switch gears and start prepping a lot of projects good for you um, yeah production really hack the production of some pro i always call it production hack you know like hacking mm -hmm. this production so it's still we're able to still produce this whether it's quarantine whether it's whether it's for 10 bucks per episode how are we going to pull this off with like zero dollars hey here's an easy way um this this and this and, and and we pull it off and it still looks great i gotta spend twice as much time editing as as opposed to you know putting all this money into the production and then things just and it's a much simpler edit it's just it's a much simpler shoot and a more complicated edit and that's fine I was able to, you know, spend a lot of downtime when the quarantine first happened. I had a bunch of stuff in the can and just knocked it out, you know, rocked it out, knocked it out. So yeah, I mean that's 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 guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's, you know that that's what you do when you don't have uh, a budget, and it helps to to hone that skill when, you know, when you do get a budget. Yeah, and it's so. almost and it's almost turned into an addiction to me. Like, okay, I have all these i I've had all these screenplays. Mm -hmm. Now let's take a look and figure out how can I produce them in the same manner or, you know, how can I think outside the box? What is it, a motion comic now or do CGI or, you know, do claymation or Lego animation or, or, or what? You know, all these, all, all these different ways that other people are doing it. It's like, okay, not only do I have no money for any productions out of pocket money anyway, and uh, I don't know anybody that I don't know anybody that knows anybody that knows anybody that's an investor <laughs> or anything like that. So, all right. So, <laughs> you know, so let, let, I figured out uh, I figured out a really you know slick way of producing this. This crazy show it has this uber production hack on it. All right. Well, now I got this. Here's a feature length script. Do something completely mm -hmm. different. You know, completely. You know. Uh, uh, turn the tables on that kind of production and see what I can get away. And, and it's just, it almost became like a challenge. How do I pull mm. this off? How do I pull this off with no money in my basement? Sort of deal. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's tricky. It's, you know, just bizarre. And you know, it's, but, but I'm listening to you and think about it. That's exactly what's happening in the industry now. Right. So you you have I mean you haven't seen it yet, but you're you're about to see like a slew of these COVID themed um, shows that are going to hit the air. You know that's an, and that's another advantage of the union. You know you get you 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 know you get to 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 read and and hear about uh, these these stories that yeah. are that are uh, you know about to hit the pipeline. So. So and and that just kind of generates ideas, and you're like, oh, maybe I can do a, a COVID theme thing with no money and sell it to a network. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So yeah. what you're doing is exactly what the industry is doing now. Well, good, good you to know? hear. Good to hear. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll stick. Maybe I'll stick with it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, well, man. When when you hear when you hear of the new normal, what what comes to mind when you hear this phrase, new normal? Uh, I think what comes to mind for me is, you know, this, 
this new normal is really not not too new and it's not too normal right yeah <laughs> for one for one um but after spending years in the industry you know you learn how to how to adjust you know adjusting is nothing new especially if you're a filmmaker of color in this in this industry where you know the for, for decades you know the goalpost has always been moved when you you know achieve quote unquote a new normal um so it's it's really just an adjustment i mean when i hear new normal i just think okay this is what i've always been doing this is what my colleagues have always been doing um i i, I will say that with the uh, advance of technology it makes a smoother transition to whatever the current situation is, um, yeah. you know, and having, you know, like I said, because, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an old man now, you know, having not had those technological t tools um, and still finding a way to make it, makes it a lot easier with these tools that make your, you know, your craft, um, uh, that makes the transition easier. Uh, but the bottom line is that you still have to be committed to what you're doing and you still have to love what you're doing because, you know, otherwise you're going to be doing something else Yeah. because this industry will eat you alive if you don't love what you're doing, period. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've said that probably just about every episode of, the, of this podcast. I've said that to my colleagues mm -hmm. a million times. I've said it to other, you know, colleagues and fellow filmmakers is that, you know, you, you're only going to be you're only going to be successful at doing something you absolutely love. Yeah. You know, uh, the reason why you're doing something, because sometimes the pay is not going to be there. Sometimes the pay is great. And that really is a bigger turn on, but then there's some, there's some gigs that are, you know, like it's decent pay. It's very low pay, but you're like, man, it was just, it was a blast. It was awesome right. working on this right. thing. It was a blast working on this other thing. It was, it was amazing seeing it come together and watching it on the big screen or watching it on TV. And if you absolutely, truly love what you're doing, I mean, I've, I've had a number of colleagues quit music, quit acting, quit filmmaking, quit DJing. Mm. And, and it's like, well, why did you quit? Well, the money's not there. It's like, you really didn't want to do it. Right, right. And, and, and the other thing is um, you, there, there are a combination of factors that contribute to your success. And success, success can be broadly defined. But one thing that I've seen consistently across the board is a love for the craft, um, serious study of the industry and how it works. And your attitude, man. I mean, you know, all of the things that money can't buy, basically. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if you're a talented person, but you have a crappy attitude and people, uh, you know, don't want to work with you, then you're only going to give us so far in this industry. Yeah. You know, look at the glowing um, praise that Chadwick Boseman got with everyone he's worked with. You know, and this was a man who was a phenomenal talent and people were genuine genuinely you know heartbroken when he passed away yeah you know um but i i, I was listening as a matter of fact back to taraji um um not taraji um uh, nicole bahari 
um, she she's in this film, Miss Juneteenth, and she was talking about, you know, working with Chadwick Boseman, and, and it was perceived that the first time they worked together was on the film 42. But, and, and by the way, you know, Daryl Pryor, who's a, 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 I believe a Baltimore producer, produced that film. Um, uh, he lives, but he lives in LA now. Um, but she was talking about how the atmosphere was such that you could have easily complained on that set. He never complained, you know. Um, you know the fact that he advocated for equal pay on um, Twenty One Bridges, you know, for um, for his co-star. You know, I mean, just you know, you have to, you want to be that person that everyone wants to to be around. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and uh, and you know, money has nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's all. That's a character issue. Yeah, and you know he he was taking he was getting his treatments in between sets, but he was still going to work. He still loved this. He loved his craft. He loved doing you know the Marvel movies. He loved doing um, all the all the movies in between, and he would get treatments before and after, or somehow in between, and he made it work because he just loved doing what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask you what's your what, what, what was I was going to ask you maybe some for some advice for uh, you know our, what what few viewers we do what I what few viewership what little viewership I do have I was going to ask you for <laughs> I was going to ask you for some advice uh, but I think that's it I mean that yeah I mean that says a lot and it it rings true with me and it, it's just great you know like sometimes some some viewers are like oh man it's boring everybody has the same advice and i'm like no it's actually really good that we all have the same advice we're all clicking and we're all saying yeah man you have to do what you love i mean if you just love to paint houses i know dudes that just love to cut trees down mm. and they're in great shape they're strong mm -hmm. you know they're healthy they're fit uh they love to be out outdoors they're tan they take that money to go to the beach for for a month and they're like jacked and shredded and tanned on the beach already and it's like is that something i should get into it's like i wouldn't want to do that <laughs> i want to get jacked and shredded and tanned but i don't want to like but i don't want to cut trees down that's not right my thing. Exactly. But, I, but i know a couple of guys that just they just love it they just love to, uh you know trim trees or cut trees down they love it yeah and and the other thing man it it, it works wonders just for your psyche yeah, because especially in a pandemic when, you know, and hey, I'm I'm in a house with everyone that I love. But I'm telling you, if I don't have that escape, if I can't like just like del delve into my writing and just have that that silence, I'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. Think about people who are miserable at their job. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, how do you do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like how do you even motivate yourself? Um, and, and, if, and if money is the end goal, I mean, what kind of goal is that? Yeah. And, and you know, going back to, like, why I started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, quarantine. Everything's shut down, locked down. I knew. And I got lucky. And, and I can explain how things just kind of fell into place. I've never been busier in my life than during quarantine. But say, you know, March 15th or March 20th, I think I started doing the podcast. We failed, me and, me and some colleagues failed at this twice, I think, already this podcast. 
trying to put together a podcast. And even before quarantine, we tried to do it this virtual way. Mm-hmm. And I think I, had, I think I had one guy calling in on Skype, another guy calling in on Google Hangouts. Or no, we were, no, all three of us were both on Skype and Google Hangouts, but I could only bring in one video of Skype, then one video of Google Hangouts. Mm-hmm. Communication was just, the whole tech setup, the whole communication tech setup was so disastrous. So it, it didn't really work out. But now, but in March, it was like, okay, I got to do something. I got to stay productive. I got to stay active. Audio, video, somehow, like a TV show or a radio show, an audio video thing. Uh, let's try the podcast again. And then I thought to myself, okay, let me reach out to other Joes that are, you know, Joe, Joes and Janes in film and TV. And like I told you, start on the phone. Hey, man, it's like we're freaking out about this quarantine, man. Like when are we going to get back to work? And we, that's how we started. And then as yeah. we're getting closer to the vaccine, right? Like, so now it's been a year and you got, and, and so here you are, Shawande, got something coming out on Amazon. You've been prepping. So now it's, we're in what? Month nine of the quarantine. Yeah. And so you've got a bunch of stuff ready to pull the trigger on once once we get that vaccine you got a bunch of stuff to pull the trigger on and you've had one or two things come out during and you know a lot of other folks that i've had on the show a couple of actresses and actors i've been back on set a couple times very safe we were all COVID compliant um something i acted on right before the quarantine came out okay some cool success stories we get to about a year into quarantine we're right there at that cusp. Some guests might be like, hey, but the whole thing for me was to get this thing rolling because what else was there to do? Right. Like, I'll be honest with you. I, I probably, you know, getting, getting, you on board the, getting you on board the podcast, I just spammed the shit out of LinkedIn, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. I just spammed everybody. <laughs> I, did, I did a search. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did a search to add new people, you know, by industry, motion picture, entertainment, TV, mm-hmm. media, film, broadcasting, video games, artists, music, blah, 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 blah. Check these boxes to kind of filter my search to add these folks to LinkedIn. And then the next week, mes- do the same search, but people that are already my connections and then start messaging them. And I'm spamming the hell out of LinkedIn because what's the worst thing you could tell me is, no, I'm not interested. How do I even know you? I'm like, I ah, just... And I'll be even honest then. You're not interested? No worries, man. Best of luck to you. Oh, how do, we don't we don't even know each other. I'm honestly, I'm spamming people because you you told me the worst thing you could have said was just exactly. No. Exactly. Right, right. And 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 in this business, you know, if you can't take a no, you're definitely in the wrong business, especially yeah. as an actor. Yeah. You know, and 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 I, I do want to leave on 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 this this advice. Um it was and it was something that I saw on social media that just kind of resonated with me and it was saying you know how you know different things were hard like I said marriage is hard divorce is hard choose your heart and that just kind of resonated with me because you know I mean life is hard yeah you know Mm -hmm. so it's like you know are you going to choose your heart I mean are you going to I mean this is a grind so do you want to do that um, or do you want to, you know, work at a, at a job that you're really not feeling 
and go into that every day being miserable. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so um, my advice is this. Um, if you want to, to, I mean, if you're passionate about anything, really, I mean, it's not just, you know, acting or filmmaking. I mean, if you're, if you're passionate about anything, if you want to be successful at it, first, create a plan. Create a plan that, you know, people will um, be glad to get behind for one and create a plan that, that, that plays to your strengths and all of the weaknesses that, that you discover in the creation of that plan have people who are equally as passionate about that on your team. Yeah. You know, don't just look at, don't just stop at, oh man, well, see, I can't do that. Okay, good. You see that you can't do that. Who in your network can? And if there's no one in your network can, then ask and find someone, but don't stop. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. To touch, I, and, and I couldn't agree with you more to th this phrase, choose your heart. I know so many guys that are lazy. Actually, have you, you ever watched Seinfeld? Oh, that was one of my favorite shows. Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld was talking about George Costanza when George Costanza was on unemployment. He's never worked harder in his life except that. to get the unemployment. But what? But how about you <laughs> put half that effort, right. just half that effort, into pursuing something you love, right, or you like, right, or just something that like moderately interests you? And I've known those Costanzas. You, mm -hmm. somebody that quit on you know something, something that quit they something they quit. They had quit on something that they were fantastic at, mm -hmm. right? And now they're doing like 17 other things and they're working twice as hard for something that they don't even care about. Right. And it's, and it's right. like, and it's like, choose your heart. Mm -hmm. I get it. We need to pay bills. I get that. You have to pay bills. You yeah. have to put gas in the car. You got to put food in your belly. You got to, you know, support the wife and kid. You have mm -hmm. to pay rent. You have to pay yeah. the mortgage. You got to keep the lights on. You can't foreclose. You can't be evicted. I get that. But you're, you're, uh, you're always late to, to, to all this stuff because you're hustling and running around and, you're, and your head's in yeah. 50 different places. Whereas, you know, with me, it's like my Google calendar pretty much runs it all. Acting gig, production gig, podcast guest, podcast guest, podcast guest. Mm -hmm. Virtual, virtual in, uh, you know, virtual industrial gig from home. Acting gig. Day off, day off. Okay. Family. All day on the weekends. Family at night. I'm going to drop the kid off to daycare. Podcast, podcast, podcast pick them up from daycare. It's the kid the rest of the day. I know what I want to do. I'm doing it. I'm scheduling it. I'm streamlining what it is I want to do and what I love to do. And, and again, you know, quarantine, quarantine be damned. That kind of, uh, uh, you know, forced me into a, a much more refined kind of certain shelves and slots but 
it is what it is. Daddy. Yep. And and the bottom line is, you know, you, you you just laid out. You plan your work, work your plan. Yeah. Daddy. You know, there there there's no like magic bullet. And be Daddy. you know, be willing to hear more no's than yeses because that's what you're gonna hear. I've been I'm very fortunate that you know I'm at peace in front of the camera. Daddy. I'm in my element in front of the camera Daddy. and behind and behind the camera so you know find that for yourself and go for it and that's and that's an additional blessing that i have as well as i i'm I'm talented in front as well as behind um We, I, I am going to have to wrap it up. <laughs> okay, no problem. No problem. All right, no problem at all. Well, we'll say hi to the kid for me and okay uh, and uh, Shawan Shawande, right? Yep, Shawande. Mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, you know sharing your experiences, your knowledge, your advice. It's I'm continued to uh, I'm always continued to be inspired. And um, so to my viewers, I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and viewership. I know my guest has. And until next time, you know what to do. All right.